0: Hello and welcome to co CoopCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. On this week's episode, Colin and Steve will get into all the co-op news, give their thoughts on some great games, and have a short topic discussion.
1: Thanks for that new intro, we'll be using it from now on. My name's Steve and joining me today is Colin. Hello everyone. So Colin and I have returned from Gen Con, which was last week at the time of this recording. And this is going to be our special Gen Con episode. Oh, yeah. So but before we jump into that, we'll cover a, cu- a few uh, news topics real quick, and then we'll just dive into all the events that happened at Gen Con.
0: Because there were tons of them, right, Steve?
1: Tons of events. Yes, there's <laughs> so much to do.
0: <laughs> so many games to see. And we're only talking about the cooperative and solo ones. I mean, geez, it's insane.
1: Wait, there are other games other than cooperative and solo? No,
0: no. I was just making that up. Other people think there are, but there really isn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead and start with one of the games that you were very excited about during your playthrough, and that was Dungeon Alliance Second Printing and Expansions. Yes.
0: This is Andrew Parks. So, Andrew Parks, who also helped design Star Trek Frontiers. So... This game is amazing if you're a solo player. Even cooperative, it's quite good. Just know that it's going to be a long game. (laughs) But in this game, what you're doing is you're controlling four separate heroes, which you'll draft at the beginning of the game. And then you have only one set of cards. Each card will have, when you start off, each card will have a picture of which hero you can use with that card. But then as you play the game... You're going to deck build into your deck and you're going to get cards that may only work for certain heroes. So there's a lot of strategic puzzles of which character you want to activate on the board depending upon what cards you have in your hand. And then not only that, at the end of your turn, you get to discard certain cards so you can hopefully draw more for your other heroes. And so you have this drawing and discarding mechanic that gives you a fun puzzle as well as still have that adventure dungeon feel because you're going to be going through and and destroying monsters. And what this expansion is providing, what the expansion is going to provide, are adventure packs. These adventure packs are exactly what this game needs, okay? Because when, whenever I play this game with anybody, they always tell me the thing that's missing is a story because you kind of are just going into a dungeon, defeating some enemies, and you go home right? But with this expansion, you have adventure packs that create a story. They're each individual story, so you don't have to get both expansion or adventure packs to be able to do this, but each adventure pack will kind of bring you through an adventure and give you a story as you're playing, which I think is exactly what you need to move this game to the next level. The other thing that I had a hard time with with this game was the quality of the Um, border of the actual board itself. It was These puzzle pieces and they didn't fit really well together, and there was always space between the border and where the tiles were. Well, now they have mats that you can play on, so you don't have to even worry about that. It's totally awesome. So I'm really excited for this. Andrew, I think, has some really great innovative ideas. You're going to be able to play it in campaign mode, you can play it in the one off scenario, you can play it cooperatively, competitively, or solo. I mean, do you get any more versatile than that, Steve?
1: I don't think so. I think you did a great job covering that one. Yeah,
0: and the one other thing I got to say is if you do get it, I would suggest looking at getting the painted minis. They look great, and I love having a painted mini when you play with it, play the game. It looks so much better on the table, and it's worth it. But if you paint your own, go ahead and get the non-painted. But if you don't paint them, oh, it's worth it. I think it's only like 50 bucks to get 20 of them. So that's not bad at all.
1: That sounds Awesome. And for our listeners, this is currently on Kickstarter right now. It is not funded at the time of this recording, but it's just a little bit short of the goal, so I'm I'm expecting this to fully fund for sure. And it will end Friday, August 31st.
0: Kind of a fun piece of trivia here. This game, Dungeon Alliance, was on Kickstarter at the exact same time that the next game we're going to talk about, which is Thunderstone Quest. They both were initially on Kickstarter at the same time, and now they're both having expansions at the same time. (laughs) How crazy is that?
1: That is awesome. So, yeah, let's talk a little more about this Thunderstone Quest. I know uh, back on the previous episodes we had uh, my buddy Howard on here talking about Thunderstone Quest, and that was before it was officially cooperative, and now they've added solo and co-op play.
0: Yes, and this is one of the games that Steve and I were going to play at Gen Con together. I got everything together. I even laminated all the pieces that I printed out for the print and play. And Steve kept being like, no, I got to talk to some more people. I can't play games. So I didn't get to play with him. <laughs> I'm fully blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did get to play with some other people, not Steve and not at Gen Con. But yes, Thunderstone Quest with the Barricades expansion. If you're interested in seeing a playthrough, I did just recently do a playthrough. So check that out. Also, Mike from the other side of the co-op cast, he's been doing these awesome 5 and 5 where he's giving the top 5 things to know about a game in 5 minutes. He's doing that as a video, actually, on my channel. So check that out, too, and he can give you a little bit of background on the game overall. I would say I'm a little more positive towards the Barricades expansion than he is, but both of us do like it, and if you have any inclination of playing the game competitively, you're going to want to get this for both competitive and cooperative play because it is a lot of fun.
1: And that is Thunderstone Quest. Currently on Kickstarter, it is funded and it will finish August 17th. Okay, and we're going to keep the news short because this is the Gen Con episode. So let's jump into Gen
0: Conness. Gen Conness? Do you want to say Gen Conness? That is actually a word. Okay.
1: I don't know. It is now. <laughs> so this is my. I don't know, like fourth or fifth. I kind of lost track. Uh, Gen Con I've attended.
0: Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait.
1: Go ahead. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So I've attended Gen Con, I don't know, like four or five times now. I don't really keep good track of that. Um, But this is Colin's first Gen Con. So I thought it might be kind of fun to ask him about his experience. For all of you who have not attended might be interested in what it looks like from a first-time goer. So, Colin, what were your expectations before attending Gen Con?
0: My expectations were that I'd play tons of games, meet tons of people, and stay up really late and not get enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and get sick. Uh, I I had heard about the con crud, so I had assumed that I'd probably get sick from other people because I'm generally more... Well, I generally get sick when other people are, you know, sick around you, so I had assumed that I would get sick. Um, I would also say that I was assuming I'd be overwhelmed with the amount of people because I'd heard that there's a ton of people and that parking was going to stink.
1: Yep. Those all seem pretty accurate from other expectations I've heard. (laughs) So... I mean, coming back from the event, what, what, do you, what do you think?
0: Yeah, so I would say, first of all, I didn't get sick. Uh, uh, one of my buddies, Phil, suggested that you take an emergency every day, uh, even a week before you go, and then every day when you're there, to kind of keep that vitamin C up. I did that. I'm, I'm not sick at all. Nobody's been sick the the group that I went with. So, awesome. Parking, it stunk, okay? Our first day, because I didn't get in until about 3 a.m., Indiana time and so trying to get up by six thirty to get to Gen Con, we decided to get up at seven thirty, and so because of that <laughs> we could find no parking close and ended up having to walk about a half an hour to get to actual Gen Con. So yes, the parking did stink. Um the the playing games was actually the biggest surprise for me. I was I was envisioning that, you know, I go into the vendor hall, get a couple games, then sit right down and go play it. But that's not really what Gen Con is about. I think there's some other cons that are a little more about that. Gen Con, because the vendor hall is just so big, no matter how many times people tell you how big it is. When you walk in there, I I think I could have spent the entire four days just roaming all the different uh, spaces that were there within the event hall or not even, that's not even the event hall, that's the um, the vendor hall, and I would have had stuff to do, because there's demoing, there's different things to look at, and all of that, so I think that was a little bit more than what I was realizing, <laughs> and I got to play less games because of that, because you're spending more time in that vendor hall looking at new games, demoing games, meeting people, all of that. the The other thing would be that the amount of people I was prepared for and actually didn't feel That terrible, except for inside the vendor hall itself. The hallways are kind of small, and you've got your big backpack on, so you don't have to carry all your games. You can at least put one or two in your backpack. And all of a sudden, you're getting hit in the head by someone's backpack, and you're trying to move through, and there's people standing in the middle of the uh, hallway area, so you can't get through. So yeah, I would say the amount of people isn't bad, unless you're inside of the vendor hall, (laughs) then it gets rough. Um, But I'm really glad what I did is I only did one, yeah, I think I did one event a day. And so that meant I had four events, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, I didn't even do one on Sunday. So I only had three events, and I think that was perfect. The events allowed me to get out of the vendor hall, play a game, and also just broke up the day. But it also meant I wasn't fully overbooked with the events. I think you could easily go overboard with the events. So I was glad that I didn't do too many events. I would say that overall it was definitely a positive experience for me, but I think just based on, you know, my situation with having kids and a wife, when I have 4 days of not having any of those requirements of having to take care of kids and go to work, I want to spend more time playing games and less time walking around dreaming about playing games. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So I'm not sure if Gen Con is really my type of con. I think more of something like the BGG Con, where it's a lot more about playing games, is probably more where that would be my dream con. Because I personally, if I've got four days off, I want to go and just play games for four days. Um, Screw talking, anybody. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But I, that's just, to me, I really like having a nice chunk of time to play those games, and I felt like we had that on basically Saturday. Steve sat down with, with me and my uh, buddy Timothy, and we played Arkham Horror, Lord of the Rings, Five Minute Marvel. So, you know, we got to do all of that, which was a lot of fun, uh, but I wished that we had had more time to play games.
1: Yeah, Gen Con can be pretty overwhelming. There's definitely some tips and tricks they can pick up over over the time I've been doing this. Um, one of them is the Thursday. If you happen to go all 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 four days, Thursday, the opening of the doors, that swell of people is craziness. It's just the the mob of people. If you want to get a hot game, obviously you have to be in that mob, but honestly, if you're not interested in any games that are going to be scooped up or possibly sold out right away, you can wait like 30 minutes and just walk into the vendor hall without worrying about that mob of people. So that's one tip I would suggest to some people. Um, The other is one thing I like to do is uh, Saturday is another pretty big day. So I normally like, you know, Thursday, take my time, walking around the vendor halls. I like meeting with people, talking to all the people, demoing games while I'm there. So I kind of focus on Thursday, you know, understanding the vendor hall. And then Friday's a little bit of that, a little bit of buying games. But Saturday, I li- I love to focus on playing games because that's where the population or the, the attendance kind of swells again because not everyone takes takes a work off to attend Gen Con. And so that's where the, uh, you have an influx of people that are trying to go and buy those games. So that's what I like doing. Then Sunday is kind of nice because if you stick around uh, later on in the, at the convention – um, a lot of these publishers don't want to bring this product back because it took a while to ship them so there's where you can actually try to get some deals potentially but um yeah the gen con there's a lot to do a lot of events um if you want to play games you can for sure and there's definitely um, dedicated spots to do that i don't i feel like a lot of people think it's kind of really hard to play games at gen con but i've never personally have had that experience you can go talk to any of the Gen Con. Um, event coordinators and can point you to open table it's really easy to find and there's even some tables uh or actually entire ballrooms open at the nearby hotels where you can go play games all day so it's never been a problem for me but uh yeah if you like like what colin said if you just want to play games all day um this one may not be for that I I tend to kind of like Gen Con over the other cons a little bit just because if I'm going to go to a convention, I want to do something I can't do anywhere else. And like I could play games almost anywhere else, and so I kind of like having something unique to draw me there.
0: Absolutely, and that totally makes sense. My problem is is if I'm being at home, and I think, oh okay, well, I'm gonna take some time off to play games. It's so easy to have other things get in the way, but to have a dedicated space or a dedicated con to just go play games to me, that actually is more appealing than something where i'm gonna s I'm gonna go and walk around. And try and talk to people and just demo games versus actually being able to just go sit down play a bunch of games all day. That's more of what I would want to do. And even having it in a different location helps it actually happen. Because yeah, I sure could play games all day somewhere, but it's so easy here to get distracted by anything else. (laughs) And and so, and and of course, you know, I, I finally met Steve. This is the first time that I have met Steve. We've been working together for over a year, right? Um, actually I think the first video that you watched for me for rules was RuneBound and I was doing it during Gen Con last year. So I was, I was doing that recording. So it's been pretty much exactly a year I've been working with Steve. I had never met him in person. So that was a blast to, to meet Steve. And so, you know, to me that almost made the con itself was just meeting up with Steve, meeting with his friends and then being able to play games and uh, meet some publishers and demo some games.
1: I must apologize, though, that you had to meet my brother at the same time. So <laughs> Yeah, I do have to say,
0: your brother is one of a kind, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> no, I love my brother very much, but uh, he's, a, he's a jokester. He just always cracking jokes constantly. So, um, yeah, if you ever meet up with me and he's around, uh, you'll know what, what I mean.
0: So <laughs> Just make sure to know that he's going to charge you for everything. Okay? And don't <laughs> take that crap. Okay? <laughs> well, this would cost me only 30 bucks, but I'll just make you pay 10. Okay? Yeah, don't listen to that. <laughs> Had a total blast, though. It was a lot of fun.
1: Great. So, um, let's just jump into the games because I'm sure people want to know, what did you play? What did you think of it? So, I think this will be kind of a... Uh, a briefing and we'll talk about all the games we played but i think later on in some future podcasts we'll uh, get on get down to some more in-depth discussions and a little bit of a spoiler we do have a few of the designers and publishers lined up to talk about these games with us so that should be fun
0: and don't forget playthroughs to be done as well Playthroughs, yes. And that's something also I want to mention. So I'm going to say this here publicly so Steve makes it happen. Steve is considering, aka planning, on starting to do playthroughs with me, which would be awesome. So we could have potentially multiple playthroughs going on. One is his, one is mine. So we're hoping to get that up starting sometime in September. Yeah, that's right, Steve. I'm putting a date for you. Okay. So <laughs> if you guys see in September, no playthroughs from Steve, give him a hard time. We got to get them going. Okay. Once he gets started, it, that's always the hard part, just getting started. So that would allow us to cover more games. It also allows me not to have to try and obtain all of these games because there's tons of great games out there but it's just hard to get them all and you get overwhelmed so i think it'd be really fun if we had two playthrough people and then we got mike and peter who are also doing the podcast and doing the five and five yeah it's just it's been great i think we're just continuing to expand
1: we are definitely growing yeah i'm currently looking at the uh the video edit- editing get myself wrapped up to that but Yeah, I fully intend to have some playthroughs out shortly for you guys, so we'll see how that goes.
0: And you guys, you should let him know what you want to see. So he talked about doing Firefly, since I really did not like that game and ended up selling it. So if you want to see Firefly, let him know. It's Firefly Adventures. Oh, I should say yes, it's Firefly Adventures. It's the co-op one.
1: So yeah, I've got a few of them I'm thinking about doing playthroughs of to help fill the gaps.
0: But yeah, please let me know for sure. Cool. Okay, so let's just go through some of these games. And a lot of these we actually uh, played or demoed together. Some of them we didn't. But the first one we want to talk about is the one I was most excited for, top of my list, and that was Heroes of Terranoth.
1: Yeah, I was not sure if this was going to be available for purchase. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And unfortunately, it was not at uh, Gen Con this year.
0: I was so sad about that. (laughs) I was so hoping it was going to be there. Uh, but they said and they said sometime maybe in october which probably means november december time
1: yeah we'll we'll get here i guess but um it was fun to demo they had it there for demo and we it was very enjoyable so um i guess what is here's a tiranath so this is a adventure card game
0: steve did you tell them that you liked it so much you demoed it twice Feel a little guilty about that. I? <laughs> I thought you would. That's why I wanted to bring it up, make you feel bad. No. <laughs> hey, the second time he demoed it, it was with me. So you know, it was a really good experience to be able to play the game together. So fully, don't feel bad. But he was super happy that when he demoed it the second time, he had a different demoer, not the same one, because then he was going to feel bad.
1: Yeah, I did demo. Here's a Tiernoth uh, a couple times, actually. Uh, one without Colin, one with him. So I want to make sure I got one play with, with him and uh, Timothy. And that was quite a bit of fun. Uh, this game is the new version of the Warhammer Quest adventure card game. Uh, since Fantasy Flight Games lost their license, they uh, have decided to re-implement this in their Tyrannoth, uh universe. And so now that they have their license... That they control, they can continue putting on content for that, and there it's not an exact uh, port from the original concept. There's a few differences. One of them was the how you rest. So if you're not familiar with this game, you have four cards in front of you, and these are signify different actions like attacking. You can assist or help people out. You can uh, rest and heal, and you can go exploring. And in the original incarnation, you had one of those four cards would also ready all your cards. So you had to do that one action to get all your other actions back. And this new one, it's always rest. The rest card always returns all your cards so you can use them again. And so that was one of the main changes.
0: I honestly liked that change uh, because I would say that it was kind of weird that for the Archer in Warhammer Adventure Card game to refresh all of her other actions, she had to attack. And if there were no enemies out there, she was attacking the air. (laughs) It was kind of weird. So... Although it made each character a little bit more unique and maybe they would do that action more often, I do think it makes the most sense that when you rest, you would refresh your other actions, right? And and the other thing that I noticed that was a little bit different is your heroes are a little bit stronger. So you're you're going to start off with your level one action cards and all of them except for one is going to give you two white dice you get to roll so that's going to give you your attack and defense versus in warhammer you only got one die and then you will have one of your powered up skills each one will have you know a powered up action so like the warrior has a powered up attack action you actually get to roll three dice so there is a little bit of a power creep meaning that they did give the heroes stronger attacks but talking to the guy we were demoing with they also made the enemies a little bit more challenging so I know that when I played Warhammer Adventure Card Game, one of the things I liked about it was how challenging it was, so I hope that's going to continue in this one. I mean, we played the demo, which is only the first, what, four, three or four rounds of the first scenario, and it was a walk in the park, but that's because it's an easy beginning scenario. And I think the game is going to come with eight of them and they're all going to be standalone right now. From what we know, there's going to be no campaign in the box that might come as an expansion or that might change when they actually release what's going to be inside the box for sure. But yeah, it was it's a lot of fun. It's got cards that activate and then you. Throw throw dice and you get to match symbols. Not I mean you know attack symbols and defense symbols, and you even have the burst mechanic, which who doesn't love when you get to roll that burst over and over again, and continue to get more and more successes. I love it, and it really does provide you with cooperation because you all have that aid action, so you can always aid other players and give them success tokens to use on their turn. I I, I loved the game as Warhammer, and I'm really excited to do Heroes of Terra off
1: The other big change which I am most excited for is how they redevelop the characters. So how it works is there are four main classes like warrior, healer. Um, I think like scout might be one of them and then a mage. mage. And so you have a number of heroes you can pick for each of these classes and they all have a different uh, special ability. Well, the cool thing about it is as you uh, upgrade your cards... There are subclasses to pick within each of these classes. So you could be like a a thieving scout or a ranger, ranger scout, I think might be one of them. Um, and each of those subclasses give you different sets of uh, four upgrade cards. But once you select down one of those subclass ro- routes, you have to stay within that subclass. So you can't jump between different classes. But this gives more replayability and more ways to explore how you can level up different characters now that you have these different paths to pursue.
0: So that would be Heroes of Terranoth coming from Fantasy Flight, hopefully sometime in October.
1: So the next game I demoed was Seal Team Flix. I don't know if you listened to the uh, previous podcast or the video, this was my number one game to look at for purchase there. And honestly, I got to say, I wasn't disappointed. Um, It was a lot of fun, the demo we played.
0: And what's pretty fun is both Steve and I have purchased it. <laughs> I saw it, I picked it up, and Steve actually was lucky enough to demo it.
1: Yeah, I didn't pick it up at Gen Con because I was flying, but as soon as I got home, I uh, ordered it from my favorite local game store, so I should be getting my copy uh, soon. If you're not familiar with this game, in this game, everyone are members of a SEAL Team 6, and you are going on various missions in a non-linear campaign and trying to achieve various objectives. They could be objectives from locating some intel to rescuing hostages to um, I'm not sure what all the missions are yet, but it, the missions we played, we had to locate a hostage and escort them from this uh, compound. And all along the way you are uh, moving your, your standees to different positions where you can like peek around corners and take shots. But as you take shots, you, you generate noise, which may cause the patrols to come nearby. And so you have to work on covering fire and a little bit of, uh, of stealth tactics in there. And as you play through this game, you can you can retrofit your characters with better equipment and different loadouts for different missions. Just sounds really cool. And the boards are very unique, so they're it's quite large, and they all have these shallow uh, walls, so you can bank things off the walls and. It will take a while to assemble, just to warn you when it's first time you purchase it. But after you, you assemble it, it should all fit back in the box. But that's kind of a brief overview. Um, I do plan on covering this in more detail in the future. And about that was SEAL Team Flex by Whiskers Games.
0: And Steve almost forgot to mention, because the game is so good, and it actually kind of gets you into the theme without you even realizing it, but this game is a dexterity game. So you're actually going to be flicking these uh, discs, and you can even bank them off the walls that they provide with you, uh, provide in the game itself. You can bank off the walls. You're going to be flicking to try and complete the different objectives, save the hostages. hostages. So it's going to be fun, but also going to be kind of cool with the story itself. So that would be SEAL Team Flicks, and that is uh, published by WizKids. I personally am really excited for that one, minus the part of 17 punch boards. Okay, I think that's how how many I counted, 17 punch boards. And then you have to put it all together. (laughs) Uh, Too bad I don't have somebody to do that for me.
1: That box is very dense when you open it up. So I've seen unboxing videos. There's a lot of cardboard in there.
0: Yeah, so that's why Steve did not purchase that and try and ship that home. Way too expensive. Okay, our next one. Steve had this on his honorable mention list, and that would be Too Many Bones Under Toe. Now, this is the first expansion for the Too Many Bones game. Now, I don't believe Steve has played Too Many Bones yet, but I've played a ton of it. I think I've played that game maybe about 15 times. And at first, I loved it. Then I hated it, and now I'm kind of eh, lukewarm about it, okay? (laughs) So I was really excited to get The Undertow to see if it revitalized my excitement for the game, and I will say there are definite things that did. I did get this one to the table one time with Timothy, so we played a two-player game, which actually is how the game is designed now if you just purchase undertow it's only for one or two players you have to then get the two expansion characters if you want to play up to four or have the base game and play with base king characters to be able to play with four if you just get undertow if you don't know how too many bones plays go ahead and check out my playthrough or rolling solo or ricky royal all have awesome playthroughs of this game Uh, But a quick overview, it's an adventure-style game. You're going to be drawing random encounter cards, and it's generally going to be setting up some sort of fight that's on a battle mat, and you'll use these really cool chips, uh, and you'll move across the board, chuck dice, use your skills to try and defeat the baddies before the baddies defeat you. And if you can do that enough times and get to the big bad, uh, uh, so successfully complete enough battles or progress to get to where the big bad is and defeat the big bad within the amount of time, you win the game. I would say with Undertow, we just played with the two Uh, characters that came in the undertow box and I would say the biggest positive is how unique those gear locks are they are so fantastically different it is fun one of them and the one that I played is actually about music and so each time you put out one of your dice you start playing music and different effects will happen on the either the entire battle mat itself or maybe for you personally or for all the baddies oh it's so cool but each round, you have to continue moving the story along or the song along. And so then it, you, you have to strategically decide when to start playing your song. And then depending on what's happening on the battle, uh, field, depending on what, what side of the die is, is up, different things happen. Oh, it's so cool. So I really enjoyed that. And then Timothy played the other character who actually has a, uh, a wolf with her and that wolf comes in nightshade i think is his name and he comes in and so you've kind of already got a little bit more of an advantage because you've got an additional ally on your side and that really helps when you're playing that two player so we actually won the first time that we played that did not happen with me when i played too many bones the first time two player um so i did like that Um, I do feel like it's balanced a little bit better. I'm still not sure I'm sold on the whole game, but I am excited to do a playthrough and see what you guys think. So that would be Too Many Bones by Chip Theory Games.
1: The next game we'll mention is Wakening Lair. So this game uh, caught our attention as we walked around with my brother and his friend and uh, wound up purchasing it and playing it a few times at the convention. So the concept of this one is it's all card based with, with dice chucking in it. And you are laying out 12 cards, dungeon cards, to create this dungeon. And at the 12th card is a big boss you put down there. And you play as these different characters. And it's, and you are just trying to roll dice to beat monsters. And it's, it's, a, it's a hit the result or higher to beat them. But each location also has some some characteristics and each monster has characteristics as well. So based upon the combination of those, you may have a easier or more difficult time trying to beat them. And when you beat a monster, you draw a treasure card, which you can choose to be a, a cool item or a cool weapon. And you capacities around to help power up different characters. And hopefully as you beat up these monsters, at some point that big bad will wake up and you have to defeat it before it marches all the way down all 12 cards and escapes the dungeon. So the win condition, kill that boss. Lost condition, it escapes. Or if you have a hero, get eliminated. And so this sounded pretty cool. I mean, the art's gorgeous in it. I like the art. And the cards are quite large. I thought that was fine as a design choice. I, I felt like they could have produced this much smaller, but not a big deal. And we played it a few times. My opinion started off with, wow, this is pretty cool. I like it. To, okay, this is it's a fine game and the reason why it dropped is i don't think it has much staying power when you're playing with adults i think this game is best for kids like the artwork is very cartoony nice big pictures it's very easy to understand um, what you need to roll to hit different monsters so i think this would be great for a family game And then when the boss comes out, that's where it gets quite fun because the bosses all are very different and they all have different strategies to try to take them out. So that part, I think, would engage the adult. So I'm going to put this in the category of a family game, I think. But it was still fun to play. That's Awakening Lair.
0: Yeah, I was kind of hoping to play that one with you, Steve, and I I never got the opportunity to because I do think that'd be something maybe my four-year-old would enjoy. But I can always get that in retail.
1: Yeah, I might pick it up with my son as well, but for now, I'm I'm okay.
0: The next game we can talk about is Street Masters. So, this game is designed by the Sadler Brothers, who also designed Warhammer Adventure Card Game. So, we know they are good co-op designers. So, this game, I ended up picking up everything, including all of the Kickstarter uh, um options all of the expansions (laughs) even the extra dice because the game looks pretty awesome we sat down we read the rules we played it and it was rough okay we played it three player and i think it was after a long day of being in the uh vendor hall and so trying to learn rules and play the game, we actually kind of had a bad experience. I mean, it wasn't wasn't terrible, but I think it was just we were overwhelmed. So I'm not going to give any real first thoughts on it other than I think there's a lot there. I just need to get the game back to the table, maybe not after a full day of being in the vendor hall. (laughs) But in the game, it's very similar to Sentinels of the Multiverse where you're going to be just drawing a card, playing one card, and doing one action, and then you can do a movement. And so you're going to move around a board. Uh, You're going to actually have miniatures, so that is a little different from Sentinels, but how the cards interact is the fun part. You're going to have talents that will stay out on the table, and they might give you just inherent abilities, or they might have actions on them that you can activate. You'll also have one-time use cards as well. And then the... Uh, both there's uh, an enemy boss and there is uh, an environment deck very similar to sentinels and so both of those will act and then certain things will happen and it's it's very objective based so you're trying to complete different objectives or prevent the boss from getting objectives yeah so that's that's how the game works it's fun i just think that we would have had more fun had we not played after a long day. <laughs> so I'm excited <laughs> to try that one again and maybe do a playthrough, or I might actually hand that off to Steve to do a playthrough as well.
1: And Street Masters is, a, is based off the martial arts, movies, and fighting games.
0: Our next game is probably my number two one that I was the most excited for, and that is The Reckoners. Yes! So this game is designed or based off of a book by one of my favorite uh, writers, Brandon Sanderson, and it's about these individuals who gain superpowers because of calamity showing up in the sky. And instead of these people who gain superpowers becoming superheroes, they become super evil. And so we as the Reckoners are basic humans that are trying to find their weakness because every super villain has a weakness, find their weakness, exploit it, and kill them. So how you play the game, it's just one of those games where you start with your six dice, you roll them three times, Yahtzee style, and then you all activate them simultaneously, trying to move across the different trays to defeat smaller epics so you can hit the big one, which is Steelheart. If you can research all of, uh, research Steelheart's weakness and eliminate all of his health, you win the game. If the population of the city goes all the way down to zero, Which happens very quickly, (laughs) especially when Steve reads the rules. So you got to watch yourself. Yes. So Steve started us off pretty intense when we played that game. I think we played three rounds and then we were dead. Okay. And that's because whenever you defeat an epic in this game, it's supposed to come back. A new one is going to come back with only one action. Well, the first time we played, he gave them three actions.
1: (laughs) I thought you wanted a challenge. So I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, I want a challenge. I don't want to just die. And that's exactly what happened, okay? And so then we're like, oh, no, no, they're supposed to only come back with two actions. Yeah, that still didn't help. So when they came back with two actions, we still died. So I still have not played this game correctly, thanks to Steve. Now, I give him You're full welcome. credit. <laughs> uh, but I also still have not won the game. Fortunately, John Gets Games and um, Watch It Played have great videos. John is a full playthrough, and Watch It Played is how to actually play it. So if you want to see how to correctly play it, make sure to check those out. But I will definitely be doing a playthrough of that one once I figure out the right rules. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. I would actually gear it towards more lighter, but uh, it is simultaneous play. Uh, We did play with six people, and I will say it was pretty insane. But if you've played a game like Project Elite, you kind of understand how it works. You kind of do your own thing for a little bit. Then you go, wait, what are you guys doing here? What are you doing here? Okay, and then you keep activating your dice. Um, Also, I should say Mike has a 5 and 5 on this too, right? So check that out because he talks a little bit about the five things he thinks are really important for this game. But yeah, that is The Reckoners uh, by Navajo Games.
1: Yeah, I really like that one. It was quite fun, and the production of this game is amazing. Probably over the top, but still amazing with all the metal chunks and pieces. It's, it's great. Loved it.
0: Well, and you know me. I got the Epic version, which included <laughs> painted miniatures and upgraded components. So when you guys see it, you'll see a really nice copy.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I would definitely play it again. The other game played at Gen Con is another dice checking fun game well maybe not quite as fun and that is thanos rising so this is the first time i got a chance to play this one and it met my expectations which unfortunately weren't very high um i love marvel so this theme totally down my down my my wheelhouse but uh, i didn't i wanted i don't know i wanted more options more to do with it more theme and it just wasn't there it's kind of I felt like it was pretty pasted on, pretty light, but not a bad game per se, but not one that I could recommend either. So that's uh, Thanos Rising. But one Marvel game we did play, which I did have quite a bit of fun with, was 5-Minute Marvel.
0: Yes, yes, 5-Minute Marvel. And a, a little bit of a spoiler... Uh, maybe it's not because I think I might already have it out, in the ch- uh, out on the channel by the time this goes live, but my wife and I just did a f- uh, playthrough of 5-Minute Marvel going against Thanos. <laughs>
1: yeah, so this was quite fun. You can pick your own uh, superhero, and they all have a deck of 10 unique cards, and you kind of throw in the rest of the generic cards in there, and it plays somewhat similar to 5-Minute Dungeon, but... In five, it was just, I don't know, silly, chaotic, fun, lots of yelling. Great. I loved it.
0: The best part is it's five minutes, so you can always exactly. pick it up and play it again. We also played 5-Minute Dungeon, and I'm going to call it right now and say I definitely prefer 5-Minute Dungeon over 5-Minute Marvel. Now, I've played both now with Steve twice each so that he could see what I think is the right way, but let's see what he says. What do you think, Steve, is the better one? 5-Minute Dungeon? Which you should say yes to, or five minute Marvel.
1: I am not going to agree with Colin on this one.
0: Dang <laughs> so
1: it! I think the five minute Marvel has is probably better balance uh, with different player counts. Like you can make five minute dungeon balance with some some rules in there, for some rule tweaks, not a huge deal. But I did like the multiple decks, and choosing between that. The difficulty of 5-Minute Marvel versus 5-Minute Dungeon wasn't as high, but 5-Minute Dungeon, correct me wrong, has already has expansions out for it. Is no, it, d- it
0: doesn't yet, but it just did a Kickstarter for the curses and the artifacts, and that hasn't been delivered yet. But I'm okay. super stoked for that.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful, hopeful that in the future 5-Minute Marvel will get some expansions and then the difficulty will increase, which make it even more fun, my opinion.
0: It's okay. We can agree to disagree on this one, I guess. Just as long as we know Lord of the Rings and Arkham, which one is better.
1: <laughs> we can agree on that one for sure, yes. Yes, okay.
0: <laughs> cool, so what's our next one, Steve?
1: So the other game we played was One Deck Galaxy, and this was in prototype form, but it was administered by Asmati Games. And we did play the full game. It is different, actually quite a bit different, from One Deck Dungeon. It does feel much more strategic, honestly. But I am still not, I still wasn't sold on it from the version I played. We'll see what it looks like when the actual version comes out. But there were some rules issues that were a little more difficult for me to grok in the first playthrough. And I think I just need to sit down with the rulebook myself. Also, the graphic design and the UI, UX wasn't ideal in this. Being a prototype, I can't blame it, but it also made it harder to learn. So not super excited about this one at this point in time, but when it actually gets released, I'll definitely take another look and reevaluate. That was One Duck Galaxy.
0: So talking about prototypes here, I, I actually had the opportunity of demoing Holding On the Troubled Life of Billy Kerr. Which is a very unique game in that the uh, theme of it is you've got this individual, Billy Kerr, who has had a heart attack on a plane. And you are the workers in the hospital. And you take him there and you are trying to find out who his next of kin is so you can contact them. And throughout the game, what you're doing is you're trying to deal with his medical needs while also trying to probe him with questions to get certain answers from him to be able to complete that specific scenario. The game lasts over a total of 12 scenarios. It is campaign driven, but it's not legacy. So you can always replay the campaign. Uh, But how it works is quite interesting it's kind of a little bit of a worker placement because what you're going to do is you'll draw these cards and you'll have an option. You can send workers to either help him so that he doesn't uh, deteriorate from a medical standpoint, or you can try and ask him questions. And you can do either option, but if you do one option too much, he might start going and do cardiac arrest. Um, or if you try and just take care of him all the time, you're not going to learn enough about what is happening in his past that you can't help him find his next of kin. And it's got these really interesting mechanics with having these fog cards. So you'll first gain these foggy cards. And you'll place them on in a tableau in a five by five grid. And then if you have enough care tokens and you can use one to actually have a conversation with him, you can potentially find clear cards that will cover up those foggy cards and you get a clear picture. It's really super cool to play because you start off and you're and you're grabbing these foggy cards and you're seeing a little bit about what's going on, but you don't really see the full picture. But then as you talk to him and you get these clear cards, they go on top of it and you go, Oh, that's what that picture is. And each each part of the campaign, you're going to see different uh, parts of his full story, which is this full 5x5 five five grid. So you're not going to fill up the 5x5 five five grid for each game. You'll fill up different parts depending upon how the game plays out. Anyways, it was great. I didn't even get to play a whole game because we were demoing it late at night, uh, but it was a lot of fun, and I was quite impressed with it, actually. I, I didn't think I was going to like it because the the theme didn't really grab me, but how the foggy cards and the clear cards work and the worker placement uh spot where okay, I've used all of my workers or all of yeah all of my hospital workers, and we still need to take care of them. You can send workers that have already done something during the day, but then they get stressed, and then when they get stressed, they can't do as much or they can't have conversations with him, so then you have to send them home, but then you have less workers, you know, so there's lots of fun little mechanics, and it's fully cooperative. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I would suggest at least looking at that one. Uh, I'm not sure when it comes out, but yeah, it seemed quite interesting. So that would be Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr.
1: Next game I'll just briefly mention, because I think we'll probably cover this in more detail later, but that is Tiny Epic Defenders, second edition. So I am a collector of the Tiny Epic series. I have been backing and buying all of them as they get released. And this one, before the second edition, was probably on the bottom of the Tiny Epic uh, top X list, whatever, how many they have out right now. But after the second edition came out, this one might have jumped all the way from the bottom to the top for me. It really fixed a lot of things that really bothered me. Uh, I'll get into the more detail later, but basically one of the issues was that you didn't have a, a lot to do or you didn't have enough options on your turns when they came up. And they totally fixed that with some of the skills. But this one is a fully cooperative uh, Defend the City game. And I fully anticipate we'll be talking more about this later.
0: Not to mention, I'm going to do a playthrough of that one because Steve played that one with me and I really liked it. And I did back that one, so I have it. So that will be coming soon.
1: Speaking of Defending a City... Let's yeah. talk about this next one.
0: Oh, that's funny. We we totally put those together for a reason. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Atlantis Rising. Now, I'm going to be completely honest. I made an honest mistake, and I thought we were supposed to demo that one at 5 p.m. Turns out it was at 4 p.m. So, we walk over there at 4.45, and yeah, they're basically done with the game. So, <laughs> I didn't get to try the second edition of Atlantis Rising. But they did send me the print and play, so I'm going to ask them if I can do a playthrough with the print and play, and if I can, I'll be able to show you. But for right now, I still don't have any more information about what's different on the second edition versus the first edition that I have a playthrough of on the channel, which you can feel free to check out. But that one is totally out of print. You're not going to be able to find it without it being really expensive. So I'm hoping that I can get you something for the second edition, which should be coming out in Kickstarter sometime in September. But yeah, that would be a worker placement, which I I love worker placement, but a worker placement co-op where as you move on to the edges of the island, you get better actions that you can do, but the island is sinking. So you have more chances of the spot where you placed your worker of having that spot sink. So you have these different options of how far out do I want to go on the island to try and get those better actions. And yeah, it seems pretty cool. I'm excited to, to to see what the second edition brings. And yeah, that would be Atlantis Rising.
1: One of the other events we did, we did a couple Lord of the Rings living card game events. And so we played in the, the Fantasy Flight event, the Wizard's Quest, uh, and we also played at the Cardboard of the Rings, another podcast specific to the Lord of the Rings the living card game, where Timothy, Colin, and I Played a couple of quests. We started with a dungeon quest, which we kind of got annihilated. It's a dungeon <laughs> crawl type idea where you get treasures. And then after that loss, we decided to switch over to a murder mystery, which we, uh, we won. We solved the murder.
0: And that was a blast. I think that was my favorite one. I want to play it again. I'm actually going to, after this pod, talk to you, Steve, about how I can find my own because that is totally replayable and totally fun to do.
1: Yeah, I feel like every time I go to Gen Con... I feel like that quest is always played. Um, so, just a really brief description of that quest. But you, there's a murder at the Prancing Pony, and there is a potential of I think four or five suspects. Another four or five um, uh, locations where the murder happened, and through a process of elimination of investigating, you have to decide uh, or figure out which location, which suspect uh, did did the crime, and it's. um, you kind of gets the clock, so your threats increasing as you play, and it's it works out pretty well. It's pretty fun, and we got to see some pretty powerful decks. As actually, I think all of our decks really started shining in, in that one at the end. uh Timothy, in particular, brought an Outlands deck and was able to just pummel the board with his huge army. So it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, he quested for fifty-five and still had thirty attack left over. <laughs> it was insane. And then I had a Gandalf deck, which was so much fun because I was Gandalf Elrond deck and just playing all of these really expensive allies. Steve, what did you have?
1: I had a Rohan deck, which was very util- utility-based. So I was trying to find what other tools of the trade we needed and, and uh, grab those horses out and, and uh, I don't know, blow away some locations or if we needed to do some uh, additional questing. I was just trying to be the support character essentially.
0: Yeah, it was so much fun. Now I have to ask: Did you play the one from the Fantasy Flight? I know you picked it up. Were you able to play the Fantasy Flight quest?
1: Not yet. It's actually sitting next to me right now, but I will be playing that um,
0: probably later, later this month for sure. Cool. Well, I want to know what you think because we played that and we blew that one out of the water too. So. Uh, yeah, because usually what I've heard with the Gen Conquests is they can be quite a challenge, and I was all ready for it. We brought in our best decks we could, and we blew that one apart. And that was myself, Timothy, Phil, and Lisa, and we just, yeah, we had a lot of fun. I mean, uh, Timothy used that Outlands deck again, and I think that deck is pretty strong. <laughs> it's it's pretty a strong. very strong deck. He's, he's drawing four cards a turn, and he can play every card in his hand. So it's it's pretty impressive, really.
1: And fun to watch, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we played Lord of the Rings. I think I played it, I should say, four times, four or five times. And then we also played Arkham Horror, the living card game. So we did that as well. So I want to know what Steve thought of that, comparing it especially to Lord of the Rings. Did you feel like Arkham was more fun than what you remember? Or was it about what you were thinking?
1: My opinion of Arkham hasn't changed. And I'll probably just leave it at that because I want to save my thoughts for the big debate later. So,
0: Ah, that's a good but
1: point. But I still had fun with it. So,
0: Yeah, and I do think that I did the Gen... Oh, no, I, which which one did we do? We did the Labyrinth one.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Labyrinth was last year's Gen Con scenario.
0: Yeah, and it was, it was fun, but it really needed to have like three groups, I think, and you're trying to do it in an hour. And so when you just do it as a one-off scenario, it's not as much fun. But it was still cool to play it, and both Timothy and Steve got to play Arkham Horror, which they hadn't played in a long time. Or, I mean, Timothy had never had never played it.
1: And what made that play extra special was all of Colin's uh, pimpage he had going on for that. He had these custom boards and custom tokens, all from, uh, I believe, Team Covenant, which was amazing.
0: Yeah, that's right. That definitely helps. And I even had the the chits are even in the little coin token things so that you don't rip them up with your with your nails.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. A lot of fun.
0: So one of the other games that we played together, and I'm actually starting a playthrough of now, is Captain is Dead Lockdown. Steve, why don't you talk about it?
1: So I'm I'm a big fan of Captain is Dead. I have the original one, and it's just one of those games that keeps hitting the table. Uh, my family and friends, whenever they come over, they always request it. It's pretty simple to learn and play, but it winds up just being a lot of fun. It's kind of uh, the premise is, it's kind of Star Trek themed or at least space themed where you're on a spaceship, at least the original one is, and the captain has unfortunately died, but you are all the various other officers on the ship. So you could be like a medical officer. You could be uh, a admiral, could be a janitor. Even there's a ton of different roles you can pick from. In the first game you're on the ship, you're trying to escape as Aliens are shooting your ship from space and they're beaming on board. Well, this next one, Lockdown, is kind of episode two of the series. And so in this one, you managed to escape. But unfortunately, your ship was heavily damaged and you you crash landed or or you got captured by the aliens at the end. And now they threw you into an alien prison. So Lockdown is all about trying to escape this alien prison. And a lot of those same roles still exist in this game. And... It plays quite a bit differently than the the first one.
0: I have to say, I like this one substantially better than the first one. I like the first one, but you know, unlike you, it never hit the table. Nobody wanted to play it. My wife specifically did not like it, so I sold that one. I'm really excited to try this one with her because I think the stealth mechanic in it is going to totally change the gameplay for it. I love how there's different aliens and they all do different things and that there are multiple ways for you to increase the level of whatever you're trying to do to to, to win the game. So like in the base game, you're trying to um, fix the jump drive. In this Correct. one, you're you're trying to get to the launch pad and take an alien ship out, and so you're you trying have power to power up an alien ship. Yep. Yeah, and so as you're powering it up, you're knocking that up. You can actually do that two ways now. It's not just engineering; you can do engineering, or you can eliminate all the aliens on the board. So I like how there's different ways to do those certain actions. So it doesn't feel like oh, where's the engineering? Let's find all the engineering again. You know, so I, it 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 works really well
1: yeah and i'm a sucker for stealth mechanics so this was a no-brainer to buy and i am i'm pleased with this purchase i haven't played with my wife yet or others but we played it a few times at gen con and so far the others i played with um they liked it. it got some good reviews so
0: and you know i was going there no expectation of buying it didn't think i was even gonna want it but steve was like oh come on you just gotta play it once i went okay i guess i will played it both timothy timothy and i loved it so yeah <laughs> that one up
1: so that was captain is dead lockdown by aeg
0: so we only have two more cooperative games i know this is long but there's just a lot of games and we want to make sure you know about them so see if there's something that you're maybe interested in picking up there's one that i just started a playthrough of on the channel and that's talisman legendary tales this is definitely a family style game uh it's it's a bag builder kind of like a deck builder but with tokens You're going to be drawing tokens from your bag to try and defeat encounters and there's a nice five story campaign. Uh, It starts off super simple. So the playthrough that I have on the channel, very simple. The story is straightforward. It's about fairies. It's nice. Uh, But as you go through the scenarios, it does get to be more challenging. But I still think, I mean, my four-year-old loves this game. We played it at least three times. He gets to dra- grab the tokens out of the bag, and then he can. It, when you gain reward tokens, he gets to decide which bag to put it into. So if I'm more likely to draw the swords that are needed, he knows to put the swords in my bag. Anyways, it's really cool. It's it's fun. It's simple, and it's got a story. And it so it's technically campaign driven, but it's not legacy driven. So love it. Um, That is Talisman Legendary Tales. Check out the playthrough on my channel to see if it's something for you, especially if you have kids. If you have kids around that age, definitely for you. So just curious, Steve, have you seen the playthrough of that one yet?
1: No, not yet. It's on my playlist though.
0: Okay, good. Because I am curious if you think your son might like it, because I really think he would.
1: Do you think a three-year-old can play it or it probably needs to be older, I assume?
0: No, I mean, my four-year-old totally understood it. It's a roll of die, and then in the encounter, all you got to do is match the symbols. So my two-year-old was, this is how we did it. The two-year-old grabbed the tokens out of the bag because you draw three tokens. And then Connor would match the symbols and go, oh, there's a there's a sword and there's a sword. And so because of that, we would win. And then Connor got to pick the rewards token and then put it in whichever bag he wanted. And then Nathan would roll the die and then get to pull the, the tokens out. And it was, it was wonderful. It was the best, like one of the best experiences I've had with the two of them playing together. And Nathan's only two. So both of them enjoyed it.
1: That's awesome. I'll have to check that out for uh, my little son. So next game I mentioned is Detective, a modern crime board game. And I had the pleasure of playing this with Nick from our Slack channel. He uh, was at Gen Con, messaged us on, on Slack and we decided to meet up and we played through the six case file for Detective. And so normally I will try to keep this fairly spoiler free. Um, but fortunately, that six case file was only available during the window, which was Gen Con, so you can't play it anymore anyways. So I'll I'll get into a little bit of spoilers here, but it won't it shouldn't ruin anything for you. But this game was a lot of fun. So it's just Nick and I playing a two-player game. It took us maybe a little bit over two hours to play, uh, but we were totally engrossed during those entire two hours. Uh the premise was, well, there was a, a murder at this house, and you are acting as various uh, detectives or police officers trying to figure out what happened and so you can travel throughout the boards you can go to the autopsy room and try to figure out examine the body you can go and go to the head, police headquarters and interview or question suspects you can go out in the field and investigate the crime scene a lot of options on there but every choice you make advances the time marker a uh, certain amount and you only have so much time before you are forced to uh, end the game and jump into a quiz and the quiz is how you score and figure out how well you did in in this and the really unique thing about this game is it breaks the fourth wall and what i mean by that is not only you're trying to solve a puzzle which once you know the answer you can't really play it again but a lot of the elements in the puzzle relate to real world events so uh, this is the one minor spoiler in here, which you can skip ahead if you want. But honestly, this this uh, scenario isn't available anymore. One of the suspects was part of the uh, Cavalier team, the, the basketball team, and his story uh, he provided linked to one of the ma- major games. So we were able to actually go on online on Google and pull up the the Cavs schedule and see if the times he mentioned corroborated. With the actual event itself. And in this case it did. So we we could. Well we didn't know we can trust his story. But we had uh, more. More reason to trust that. He was actually being truthful in that scenario. And oh my gosh. It was a lot of fun. In the end Nick and I are pretty awesome. And we did solve the murder. So thumbs up there. But there's actually a, a. Another story that was embedded. Embedded with it. That we weren't sure on so we didn't get the full points for it but we knew something was kind of fishy uh so there was some some loose ends in, at the end but the the main objective we did complete and get, did get correct and that was detective a modern crime board game
0: wow that game just sounds so interesting i i still don't know if it's worth paying money for a game that's a one-time use like that that you know but i did it with pandemic legacy so i don't know i mean have, have you played Pandemic Legacy? Yes, I have. Okay, so would you say that the money for the game is as good as it is for Pandemic Legacy? Because I mean, with Pandemic Legacy, we played, what, 16 times? Half of the games in my collection, I haven't played 16 times. So I felt like I was getting my money's worth. What do you think about Detective?
1: So your play count will not be nearly that high because, I mean, there's only, I think, five cases in the box. You can totally break up those cases um, throughout throughout the day so you don't have to play necessarily two out two plus hours in one sitting however it's probably the best way of playing it because otherwise you're gonna have to take really good notes or have a really good memory so when you come back to it you remember all those little details because sometimes those details do matter for the experience i got out of it 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 does trump pandemic legacy like pandemic legacy is more of a a game but in this one, I felt like it was more of an experience. If you want to try to um, put them next to each other, so if you're into having more of a experience, definitely go with Detective in that sense.
0: Perfect, Steve. I think that helps a lot. Now I have to convince myself not to pull my wallet out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the big negative yeah. of this one is the the time to take to play it. is It's not a short game, so it's going to take you multiple hours for sure. We did meet up with a, another group of a uh, couple guys who stopped by and chatted with us a bit. They finished the case in 45 minutes. They thought they had it right, and they were completely wrong. And so we finished in, like I said earlier, two a bit over two hours, and we did get it right. So I'm not sure if that t- uh, amount of time you spend um, talking about different options uh, contributes to that or not. But I have seen play times upwards of three three plus hours, just to warn you. And like I said, you only have five cases, so it's like three hours times five. It's 15 hours of play time in there. And the other kicker that might be a deterrent is all each of those five cases has an underlying uh, story or another uh, mystery to solve. And so you really, really need to play each of those five cases with the same same game group. Because otherwise, you'll miss that underlying message and miss some of the details. So those two things, the play time and needing to have the same game group for each of those cases might be the main deterrence for this one. So that's going to wrap up all the games we played at Gen Con. Uh, I have one other question I want to ask, and I always ask this if everyone would go to cons, is what was your game of the con? What was your, and you can define this however you want, but what would you pick was the biggest like surprise, biggest game, um, thing you were most excited for that you, you had played there? So Colin, why don't you go first?
0: So I'm going to answer this in two different ways. My first way is my favorite game that I played at Gen Con. And for me, that was Lord of the Rings. Go figure. (laughs) I had so much fun playing the four-player murder mystery with you and Timothy. I should say that was three-player. With you and Timothy, that was a blast. And then I did the four-player wizard's quest with Phil and Lisa and Timothy. Oh, I have not had that much fun playing Lord of the Rings. (laughs) It was so much fun to see the the cool decks, seeing the encounter cards, and just experiencing that together. So for me, playing-wise, Lord of the Rings, not a question. So the game of the con for me would probably be the Reckoners. And that's just because I'm really connected with the theme of the game. And I do think the game has a lot of staying power with being able to play with up to six people cooperatively. And I just, I love chucking big nice chunky dice and i think it's gonna be a really fun game once i learn the rules correctly aka don't let steve tell me what to do what (laughs) i'm just kidding but (laughs) seriously though i i would say the reckoners is the one that i have been the most excited for
1: yeah this is always a tough question what what's your game of the con and for me i think it has to be the detective just because of that experience was so immersive it was a lot of fun meeting Nick, who I've we've chatted with a lot on Slack. In fact, if you're not familiar, we have a Slack, so feel free to email us uh, to, to join. and can chat with us there. But it was just a, a really fun experience, and I really enjoyed the immersion where I just totally lost track of time. So definitely the detective.
0: So Steve, does that mean you're going to pick the game up?
1: This one, I don't think I'm going to pick up for the reasons I stated earlier. My wife does doesn't have the interest in this game at all and I'm not sure if I can get a regular group to play it enough so I might I might might pass on this one the if I want to say the game of the con that I purchased it is so far going to be probably seal team flicks I just had a lot of fun with that one I was just laughing and it's silly i'm I'm horrible about dexterity games as well so that just makes it all all the better. So, yes. <laughs> like a uh, little more details. There was my guy was uh, peeking around the corner. It's a clear shot down the hall, and yeah, just totally whiffed with a with a big old <laughs> sniper rifle. So it doesn't make any sense thematically, but with my skill of uh, dexterity, makes perfect sense. So, <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> with
1: well, that said, that's going to wrap up our Gen Con special. So if you have any news or upcoming games you want to discuss, send us an email, and we'll try to get that covered. Otherwise, look forward for us delving in more depth on quite a few of these games. And join us next week as Mike and Peter as they cover a board game and follow up with the related design discussions.
0: Also, don't forget the 5 and 5. Mike's been doing that on the YouTube channel. His next one, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, is Spirit Island. Should be a fun one. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you all so much for listening to us, and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-OpCast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes, and while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-Op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-OpCast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.
1: So we just got back uh, probably this about the year. at. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not the year. year. The (laughs) year. It feels like a year.
0: Oh, man. It was already a year ago that we went to Gen Con. (laughs) A year, three days. I mean, okay, it's about the same. (sighs)
1: Um, But this is Colin's first, so I have some questions to ask him. I'm curious.
0: That was awesome. Okay. You are having way too much fun. Sorry, Monica. <laughs> are, are we too loud? No, we're not too loud. I have okay. you on the mic, so if it's anything, it's me that's too loud because you're in my okay. headphones. <laughs> okay. he, he was like, he just said, well, now we're going to get on to general Conness. i I'm like, is that even a word? And He says, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I, I make up <laughs> words all the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. Ooh, was that good? I actually finished it, huh?
1: You did it. (laughs) Virtual high five.
0: (laughs) Ow, that hurts. Okay. So the next game to talk about is Street Masters, designed by the Sadler Brothers, who also designed Warhammer Adventure Card Game. You guys, (laughs) we like the Sadler Brothers. Okay.